Hello, Four Sober Chicks podcast listeners. This is Dana, and I am joined by Heather, Lisa, and Meredith. We gather here from around the world to discuss all things related to alcohol addiction, sobriety, and various paths to recovery. We get real about the highs, the lows, and the amazing reality of living a sober life. This podcast is a creative collaboration by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. everyone. Uh, today we are discussing recovery tools and those tools that we have in our own toolboxes. So hello Heather and Meredith and Lisa. This should be a really great conversation and uh, Meredith, why don't you kick us off? Sounds good. Um, so it's funny because when I started to look at this and we've talked about this before, I sat there and I was like, I wonder if we're gonna have similar ones. And I think we do in, I mean, I, I do think that they correlate in some way, shape or form. So I would say I have top three um, for me. <clears throat> uh, my number one is faith. Um, that was something that, you know, I've always heard when you go to AA, they always focus on your higher power, which I, I think is a huge component to recovery in whatever you view that higher power is. For me, um, I'm, I have Christian faith. Um, and that literally became my daily, if not daily hourly ritual, like the day that I quit stop or the day that I chose to stop, I literally sat down and I was guys, I'm new in my faith. Like I would say I'm about seven to eight years in my faith. I had started my faith journey on a very weird, not weird, but I mean, for me, God was just tapping me on my shoulder, telling me that I needed to listen up and straighten up. And I was willing to go down a certain path, but not veer off the way that he was actually leading me. And so I was very new to my faith, but I knew that this was a hardcore spiritual battle at the end of the day as well. Um, and so I had to fight that with the only thing that I had in my toolbox when it came to that. And that was my faith. And so my prayer, literally the first day I decided to quit was if you can take, if God, if you can take away the need, the want, that desire, I will, I will do everything else. Like I know that that is one area that I'm going to need help with because I always, I know myself well enough to, I'll get to a point and I'm like, F it. I'm out. Like, this is too hard. I'm not willing to go through how hard this is. I'm just going to drink and I'll start tomorrow. Like I had said that so many times tomorrow. It is this weekend after this weekend, it'll be, that'll be when I do it. And so for me, just to be able to have that connection and have that prayer answered was huge to where I would have that your brain starts to be wired in the, Oh, it's time for wine. You know, it's four. That was my go-to. And I would see that and I would be like, okay. And I just had to, I just had to get rooted in my faith and, and start to pray. And that was absolutely huge for me. Um, and prayer goes along with that. Now, whether that's prayer meditation, just kind of connecting my mind and body at the same time and knowing 
for me, how good I felt to have a day under my belt. I'd be like, I can make it to two, you know, those moments and that connection, I, I do think is absolutely huge. Um, and I know that we've talked about, you know, meditation too. And I, I think that that was key is being in tune with your body for being out of tune with your body for so long is huge. Um, my second one was fitness. Uh, so I have played volleyball literally since I was seven. Um, so volleyball has always been a part of my life, but I was never like a gym rat. I never really worried about what I ate. Um, and I, I have a very addictive personality. Obviously my mom was an alcoholic. So I realized that, um, my dad was a hardcore smoker. He quit, thank God. But I realized I, I have addictive personalities that surround me. And I knew that I had that. So I was like, I know for a fact that if it's not going to be alcohol, I need to choose something more beneficial. A brand new gym had opened up in town. And this was after having all three of my kids, I remember going there and I was like, if I can, if I can start to work out and get that endorphin rush, um, that I got, I would say in the beginning stages of my drinking, not so much towards the end, um, I was in. And so I started going to the gym and then that led into the whole nutrition path um, of if I'm going to work super hard at the gym, I need to make sure I'm equally being good with what I consume. Um, and so that was another absolutely huge thing. And I have down here, my third thing was friends. But what I had to realize is if I look back to my, um, sorry, I got to mute my phone. If I look back to my um, friends while I was drinking, to my friends now, I don't know if I have any. I, I don't know if I have any of the same friends. Um, we're acquaintances for sure. And, you know, it's the here's a Christmas card, but it's not the friendship that we had in the beginning. So what I realized is as I started to get sober, I had to make friends in places that supported my sobriety. Mm -hmm. And the gym for me was that place. I would see people at the same time um, who had the same health conscious. They weren't sober, but they still had that health movement towards that. And so for me, I was really, really focused on making sure that I made the right choices when it came to um, who I was pulling in. And there were friends that I pulled in that weren't really supportive of me not drinking, but then the friends that I've made since then, I mean, they're comfortable enough to know that I am at a point in my sobriety where I'm totally fine being around them. I make fun of them when they get too drunk. <laughs> I am like the DD of our group, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, but they support me in that there's never pressure. There's never like, well, are you going to ever drink again? Like they don't even bring that up. They respect the fact of where I'm at and what I've chosen. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is absolutely huge. But what also comes with that is, and we've talked about this before, people think that I, and I've never judged, I've never said a word, but the fact that I'm sober, it's almost like an automatic, well, she's probably judging me for drinking. And so I've had to flat out have conversations with people who are like, I don't want you to act any different when I'm around ever. I want you to do you and I will do me and I will never judge you for drinking, for 
you know, getting really drunk. Like that's not on me. That's on you, but I love you just the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were my top three. I will add on sparkling water was like huge for me. <laughs> um, I had to have something no in my hand. Yep. I had to have something in my hand. Um, especially at that four o'clock time. And so I bought one of those home, you know, carbonated water things that you could do. I drink cases of Spindrift and bubbly and, you know, the whole nine. Um, but for me, I feel a lot of it was even just the action of drinking mm-hmm. in the very beginning. I was like, I feel okay. Like I'm taking a sip of something and I'm putting it down when I'm cooking dinner or whatever the case may be. And I feel like that slowly went away to where now, you know, for me, I can drink sparkling water whenever I want. And it's not exactly at that four o'clock time, but I had to have something to still, um, just get through those first initial, initial weeks and that, and that was it for me. So I think those were my tools. I think that's awesome, Meredith. I I agree with you. I think at the beginning, especially whatever works, you know, like Mm -hmm. having something like that around the dinner hour is, Totally understandable. You mentioned something there um, when you talked about surrounding yourself with the kind of person that you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of resonated with me too. It's I just finished reading um, uh, James cleared his book Atomic Habits, and it talks about when you're trying to change your habits, you have to surround yourself with like-minded people you know, being around the people that you want to be. And it just, it helps so much. Um, On that connection for me also was so important. Um, Making sure that I was around not just like-minded people, but um, like healthier people, but Mm -hmm. um, people who were also going through what I was going through, which is, you know, connection for me was so important. It sort of validated um, when I heard people talk about, you know what, I'm finding this really hard. I'm like, oh my God, thank God I'm not the only one. You know, it just made me feel um, not alone Mm -hmm. that I, you know, so yeah, connection for me was a big one when you mentioned that as well. Same with, yeah. I think we've all talked about that at one point, how connection is so huge. I think it's the foundation to recovery. I think that like, I mean, yes, people do do it their own and, and Meredith, your story was very much, you know, you were doing a lot on your own initially um but i think it's the difference between sobriety and recovery having a community that is there that mm-hmm. are and whether it's 12 step fellowship or she recovers or just a group of of people around you that have the same kind of goals whatever it looks like whatever that works for you i think that's foundational because this is a disease that is never ending it's relentless and it's a long process. It's a long journey. And when you're on a long journey, you need support. You need things that help refresh you. You need things that when you're just down and you're like, I can't do this anymore. Somebody else goes, yes, you can. And I did it. And I was going through the same thing and you can do this too. Or, you know, somebody that's there saying, you're doing an amazing job. Keep going. Sometimes that's like the thing you need to hear. And you can't do that in your head. Like, in fact, in my head is there's a lot other things that are going on. And if I'm with other people, I don't live in my head. So for me, I think community is like, it's one of the biggest tools that I have in my toolbox 
um, if not the most important. Well, and I didn't, I quit honestly without that community. But what I will tell you is I need that community now in my sobriety. I mean, March will be eight years for me and I need that community big time now, eight years down the road where I might've stopped on my own and, and built that faith connection and helped me through that. But like all the sober people that I know, I literally have them in my calendar and I will text them every month and I will say another month down. And it's as simple as that, you know, but recognizing that for people, you know, the, the text I get back is, you know, awesome. I feel great. Or this last month was really hard, but I did it. You know, all those things, people just want to be validated where they're at. And I'm finding that now years into my sobriety, not that I need validation, but that community helps me offer that to people who need it so badly. Um, and it's just that simple high five, you know, and recognizing how hard they're working um, is key. So if you are sober out there and you know, other people get their sobriety dates and send them a text every month or whether, you know, every year, whatever the case may be, and just cheer them on. Um, cause I think that that's where anyone can be such a key factor in, in someone's recovery. That's, that's huge. Meredith. That's one of my, my tools is the giving back to others is, you know, I'm, I'm so excited for other people on their journeys and, and meeting them where they are, you know, and just giving them that support, um, has really been a tool for me because it keeps me honest. It keeps me keep going forward because you know, if I stumble, how can I help somebody else? You know, that's kind of the way I see it, even though, you know, we'll, we'll all stumble here or there, whether that is reaching for alcohol or not, or just stumbling somewhere else. But um, the, the thought of that the, with the community and then also that giving back to others is, is it's priceless. Yeah, it's on my list as well. It's my, you know, as being part of the fellowship, I sponsor other women. Um, and, um, you know, also being a recovery coach, like, yeah. so it's now part of my profession, but um, it's this, it's the thing I have aside from getting, living in recovery. And in terms of this part of my life, it's what I'm most proud of mm-hmm. is when you are with someone and you support someone because I know what that lifeline meant to me. And I know what those people meant to me in my journey. And so I am so grateful and privileged to be able to be that for someone else in their journey. Um, It's magical, you know, when it's really, it is, it's just absolutely magical. So yeah, it's on my list too. That, Um, that, that, the feeling you get in your heart and your soul that, that, that is just, it's amazing. It is, it's magical. And it's, you know, and it has nothing to do with, our egos or, you know, making it about us. It's, it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do about the other person. And that's what, what's the most beautiful thing about it, you know? So yeah, thank you. Thank you all for, for sharing that. Um, who wants to go next? Lisa, you want to go next? Sure. Um, another huge part uh, that helped me a lot was journaling. Um, just writing down, that was sort of, um, it was like therapeutic for me 
uh, you know, I'll, I found that after um, a couple days of, uh, after I'd, I'd quit drinking, I just, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and um, have such clarity and I would just, it'd be nice and early and I'd feel great and I'd just get out my computer and, and I, at those points in the day, I would journal down all the amazing stuff. And then of course, as the day went on, I was using journaling as more of like a tool to just get the weight off my shoulders. So I used it at both sort of the good times and the more challenging times. Um, but I, I just found when you're going through such a profound change, there's so many things in your head, so many things for me, I unless I get it out and some people might do it by hand, I just type like the wind. <laughs> it just felt so much better and it, it, I just keep going and going and going until I could actually physically feel my shoulders drop and then I'd realize, oh, I guess I'm done now. <laughs> and it was incoherent, probably the what I was typing. I didn't worry about spelling. I didn't worry about anything because no one was going to read it. And uh, no one ever has. I don't think. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, I just that one was a huge one for me getting it out. Um, and it was a tool that I could use whenever I needed, you know, because a friend may not always be there to talk to. Uh, you may not be able to plug into the specific community that you want to plug into. This was one that was there with me all the time. So for me, that was invaluable. Um, yeah, I would say journaling. Journaling was a big one. Another one I did um, was meditation. And I wasn't really big on meditation and, uh, before this. Um, but it it really helped me it was uncomfortable at the beginning but it really once i started feeling the physical changes that meditation can can bring which was just your heart rate slowing down calming um being able to prioritize what's important and what's not um it just helped so much more it helped with my sleep it helped with so much at the beginning i'll have to say i just want to highlight i kind of took getting um, sober, like it was my job, like I made it a huge priority. Um, and I, I, yeah, I, I, there, of course there were a million other things I could have been doing than meditating, but I, I was like, no, I'm going to do it every day. And I had, I was working with a recovery coach at the time too, who kind of, um, helped with that accountability as well. Um, cause I knew she was going to ask me about it. How's it going? Um, so I would say that journaling, meditation, and another big one was um, getting out in nature. I needed to get outside, um, just going for walks. I found that after 10 minutes of being outside, there would be a physical change as well. Um, so getting out as much as I could, you know. So those, those are all things that, um, again, they're, all three of those are things that I could do whenever I needed to at home, you know, things that I could draw upon. Um, and reading was another one. I read a ton of books on like Quitlet books that just helped support self-help stuff. I needed to kind of understand what was going on in my mind and my body to help me feel validated, I guess. And um, so that was a big one. And then Meredith, just as you mentioned, uh, the nutrition element. Um, just supporting my body as much as I could so that I could kind of take that out of the whole um, list of variables about what's going on in my mind and my body. I want, I need to be able to know, okay, I'm supporting myself as much as I possibly can physically here. So 
that's done. You know, I, I'm, I know that I can get through this. So um, yeah, making sure that I was really on top of good nutrition was, was a huge one. So those are kind of my top five. I hear you. I hear you. The Quizlet is big for me. Uh, I I was insatiable about reading when I first quit drinking, and I probably have fifteen books laying around here. So, <laughs> and the Atomic Habits is one of them as well. Um, but it was it made me feel not alone. You know, there was so many other people's stories, and um, you know, my stories might not have been as bad as theirs, relatively speaking, you know, when it comes to being in jail or DUIs or things to, to that nature. But they all spoke to me because it, you had that connection of addiction. You had that connection of separation of the addiction and trying to get through it and, and what that was going to mean for your life going forward. So, um, that was a big one for me, for sure. And I think Absolutely. as well as recovery coaches, we're clearly people that are, we need to kind of understand, yes. right? So it's yeah. like knowing what physically is going on in your body and how unbelievably, I mean, there was so much um, I did not know that it just made me go, oh, no wonder I am where I am today. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely... Um, the meditation was huge for me and it started for me when I was in rehab. And so in Thailand, which was where I went, um, Buddhism and, and it's everywhere. Right. And so they had a, a monk that would come uh, on campus and would do meditation. And I went and tried to do one of these, it was required. <laughs> and so I sat down and I had a full on panic attack. Oh my so we're like God. in this most Zen environment and I'm just literally like, feel like I'm going to die. And, um, I was, I can't do it that way. You know? So if you are trying meditation and it's not working, try different types because there's so many different ways to do it. So guided meditation became the way that I could do it. If I could follow along with a story or a journey or an image or something like that, then I could uh, quiet my mind and I had to practice it was something that I had to get to like anything I had to practice it because um, and I've talked about this before and other things I have a monkey mind I am constantly doing things in my head I live in my head and so slowing that down because the monkey mind leads to anxiety so I had to slow it down and I had to have a tool that I could manage my anxiety because I didn't want to manage it in the way that I was before. Um, so meditation is huge. I try every morning before I get out of bed just to do five minutes before I leave my, before I leave my bed, because if I don't, something else sparkles and I'm off and I'm just like, I've started my day. So that's one of the things that I do for myself and man alive, when I don't do it, I can feel it. Like I can notice, you know, what's happening. So I went from like this very extreme reaction to it, to teaching myself to do it, to now being able to do a very small amount and still has this amazing, powerful feeling to it. Um, definitely resonated with what you were saying, Meredith. My higher power, my relationship with, um, my spiritual relationship is a key factor in my recovery. Control, and having control and being in control 
those are things that fuel my anxiety, my addiction, all of those things. And so having a way to hand it over and just to ask for support and to um, just allow something else to help me was huge. It was, and I had always had a spiritual side. I had just stopped engaging with it. So for recovery, I needed to just re-engage and trust and, and actually hand it over. And I, have, I had to had a whole share today in another meeting about handing it over again. Like I have to remind myself on a regular basis, you know, that this is something that I need to do in my life. Um, so that's a big part of my uh, recovery toolbox. Um, Lisa, you mentioned journaling. I wish I had written things down. I really do. Like just, I didn't, but I created art. Mm -hmm. And so I have a graphic representation of it, but that was the way for me to get it out and, um, and to just like, just put stuff down. And that for me is very calming. It's not necessarily cathartic, but it's calming. And that's kind of like the, the theme. So art's been a big um, part of it. And I think the last one is therapy, which is, was me talking about all of the things that were in helping to organize it, having a sounding board that wasn't anybody that was close to me. Therapy has been a huge part of my recovery and um, an essential part of my recovery. And I think that, um, yeah, I don't know that how I could have, I, I don't know how I could do any of it without different parts of these things, right? Like this is kind of how I pieced it all together over the years. So, yeah. And I think therapy is so important, especially if there's stuff that you need to deal with from your past, right? So they, therapists deal a lot with your past and then coaching is more present and future, right? So for you, knowing your story, as you've shared, there was probably a lot that you, that I can see how that was incredibly helpful. Oh, it's a library. And, it, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and again, therapy, you know, we're all here to break the stigma of addiction. Mm -hmm. The stigma of therapy needs to go out the window too. Like yes, absolutely. at the end of the day, absolutely. if you are unable to navigate mm -hmm. or you don't even know where to start, like that's, that's what they're there for. Um, and you know, I've been definitely in the therapy for me is to really rehash my, not rehash my past, but accept my past, feel it, sit with it for a little while, be really uncomfortable. Um, but I would have not known how to go through that process without therapy. So therapy addiction or not. I mean, I think people should go to it no matter what. Um, and Heather, you had mentioned, um, guided meditation. So I am horrible at meditation because my mind in like three seconds, I'm over here and I'm like, Oh God, I got to come back. There is a app called insight timer. Yes. And it is a phenomenal guided meditation yes. that I, I mean, I made it to like 10 minutes once and I was like, oh my God. But it was because I constantly had that super soft voice coming in being like, okay, we need to bring back to center. But once you figure out that zone, it's amazing. Like it is, 
absolutely amazing. And I try to start my day every day with that in prayer. Oh, wonderful. I used Insight Timer as well, quite a bit. Yeah, and so, yeah. it's a great app. Great app. And I love Breathe, B-R-E-E-T-H-E. Oh, and okay. They, they have, and none of us, we don't have any sponsorships. Just say that, like, these are yeah. our authentic <laughs> recommendations. We have no, nothing's coming in for this. Um, I love them because I can pick the amount of time. So five minute, 10 minute, whatever. And this is all within the free app and there's a paid version too, but then I can do a five minute gratitude. I can do a five minute, um, intention one. And so I really pick kind of what I'm thinking that day is looking like for what I'm really needing support. So I really like that. And I love her voice. Um, So the ones that I've picked are all kind of the same woman who's doing the meditation because I'm so weird about that stuff. If I can't, if I can't tolerate their voice, I'm done. I can't, like, it really throws me off. So I love this person's voice. I think I probably listen to the same person. (laughs) And then there's, there's, there's one guy and, and the one that I listen to when I go to sleep, it's, it's the, the, the one sentence that I always crack up and my husband always knows where I am in the middle of the meditation is now do whatever it is that you need to do. And it's like, <laughs> but it gets you into that mm-hmm. mode. But I, yeah, I love both of those, those yeah. apps. I use both mm-hmm. of them for yeah. sure. For sure, and and Heather, I I art for me was huge. That was that was my outlet when I got sober, for mm-hmm. sure. You know, I, I just started creating again, and and needed to have that in my life, um, and however that looked. And and I I'm no Da Vinci for sure, <laughs> but um, you know whatever comes out, it comes out with with the love and soul that I have. So, for sure, love that. And I think the other, one of the things that we haven't talked about that's on my list is um, having new ways to have fun. Yes. And I see this with a lot of like people that are coming in new into sobriety and recovery and, and they're just overwhelmed with people asking why they're not drinking and things, just having to say no to everything and, and feeling the weight of sobriety. And, you know, what I kind of talk them through and work with them on is how can you change that? How can you do either different things or do the same thing in a different way so that it's not supposed to be a punishment? We're supposed to like, this is supposed to be um, this amazing new chapter in your life. And I know it's not that way initially, but it's so much work that you have to have a place that's also like enjoyable and fun. And um, so kind of like finding new ways to enjoy my life, you know, and enjoy what I'm doing because otherwise I don't know how you do this long-term if it always feels like just there has to be that balance right that between the hard work and then that there's the joy and the the thing the the um the reward right we even in our class we she talked about you know how are you going to celebrate this accomplishment You know, that we need as human beings, we need to celebrate ourselves and celebrate our lives and, and live in um, live in celebration. So yeah. for me, having fun is very important. And it's the it's the difference of that FOMO versus JOMO, right? It's it's you're not the fear of missing out versus the joy of missing out. 
right? You need to change that thought process into mm -hmm. the joy of missing out on the hangovers and the blackouts and the stupid things that come out of your mouth and the stupid things that you do with your body. Um, you know, and, and I, I truly believe that too. And, and there's a lot of people out there. My ex-husband, I remember him saying when he first quit drinking, he's like, I don't, he's like, I don't want to go out because I don't know who I am. It's like, I don't know how to act without the alcohol. And mm -hmm. that made a very profound statement for me in my own struggles, you know, years and years later that I finally get what he was talking about because you get so ingrained as to who you are and you are this person with alcohol and, and you know, you don't know otherwise. And it's kind mm -hmm. of finding out a whole new human being for yourself. For sure. And, and you need to make it fun. You need to, mm -hmm. you need to mm -hmm. look at it as a positive, like you have a whole new life that you can now make whatever you want out of it. And so what are you going to do mm -hmm. with it? Right. And make it exciting and make it fun and happy. So I took, I took advantage of all the positives of feeling good again and tried to celebrate that. So for instance, like, um, um, I was physically feeling like I had a lot more energy. So I was like, well, what can I do with that energy? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. might as well do something with it. I took up skiing again recently because I just, you know, I, things like that, you know, it's like, I, I, I can do this now. So why don't I, why don't I do it? Or planning something um, early in the morning because I love that time of the day now. It's one of my absolute favorite times of the day. And doing something really fun first thing in the morning because I can and because normally I wouldn't have felt that wonderful, you know, so it's yeah. finding ways to celebrate your newfound person, this new person that you've discovered. <laughs> and, and being loud about that. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's so many people and, and I do, I will say this with the caveat of, I do think it takes time to quote unquote, recover out loud, like to own yeah, it, absolutely. to make it public the whole nine. But like one of my really good friends here where I lo live locally, she said a quote the other day, um, something about when we recover loudly, we keep others from dying slowly. Uh, I mean, so like when I looked at that, I was like, that's actually really true. Like if you can be loud and proud and not like, I mean, I, I do think that there's loud and proud, but it's almost like shaming. <laughs> So we don't want to shame. We don't want to do anything. But if you can live in those moments and say, I'm enjoying this fully because I feel so good, mm -hmm. you know, like I genuinely think that that that's where that sober curiosity starts. That is a seed that you are planting when you can actually be loud and proud about your recovery and not because don't get me wrong. When I first started, I was like, I don't want all the questions on why don't you drink? You know, I was like, so I kept it kind of slow until I was able to build a foundation of my confidence. I knew that I wasn't quote unquote struggling anymore. And that was when I became very vocal about it because, you know, and when I, when I heard that quote, I was like, that's actually, a, that hits the nail on the head. That's a phenomenal quote, especially for anyone who's considering recovery. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, you know, the, the things that I have on my list, you know, most of you hit on with the quit lit and giving back to others and community and things like that. The one thing that is at the top of my list that I haven't heard from anybody else is my movie reel. Um, it is playing that movie reel in my head. If I have a trigger or if I feel like picking up, 
that I play to the end of what I look like when I pick up to drink. And because it's never just one, it is four or more, you know, or, you know, mixing drinks and, and things just to get to that, that place of, of blackout and not remembering and numbness. Um, and I don't ever want to be the actor in that movie ever again. I don't, I don't want it. And so I don't, I don't even need it anymore. All I need to go in my head is like movie reel and be like, no, thank you. <laughs> I'll go see a different flick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and it, it, it keeps me, it keeps me grounded. You know, I don't need it as much as I used to, but it, it really, really helped me in the beginning. Um, you know, especially after the first couple of weeks when you start really getting clear with your thinking and, and, you know, looking back on things and you play that movie, it's like, it's cringeworthy kind mm -hmm. of movie horror film that you don't want to watch or be part of every now and then I think of stuff that I you know I'll be, I'll be just fine chatting with somebody and then a memory will pop into my head and I'll probably I'm like oh like it just I, like, I know I make a physical <laughs> face when I'm like coming going in my memory like if something's popped up I'm like oh gosh yeah. <laughs> let that yeah. go and I and I think it's really important, and I will be touching on this a ton, that when when you do have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, it is affecting your brain. You have to understand that. You do not have to be four handles deep into vodka for it to mess with your brain. I mean, I remember in our recovery coaching, those spec scans, do you guys remember that? That the was, spec that scans was were terrifying. <laughs> un, unreal to where it compared someone who has been addicted to meth for seven years yep. alongside and and for everyone who knows a spec scan just measures brain activity this is not like damage to the brain or anything like that the meth user for seven years had the same brain activity as someone who casually drinks on the weekends yeah I saw that and I was like wait what I mean yeah, that was mind blowing to me. So it doesn't, it doesn't have to mean that you're like sweating out alcohol. It literally affects your brain activity across the spectrum. <clears throat> and so that's why you don't have the, well, I probably should stop. Like all logic, all reasoning is completely shut off to the point where you're living in your rear lobe. Um, and that's what in our course, it was called the T-Rex brain to where if you imagine what a T-Rex thought about, that is literally where your brain is at. Mm -hmm. Fight or flight, eat or be eaten, mate, and how am I surviving? Um, you could care less about anyone or anything else around you. And it does not take a lot for alcohol to do that to your brain. Um, I think that's a huge, huge thing to... And about. it also takes 90 days for it to exit your brain, you know? Yeah. So like those initial, that initial time where you're counting the hours and stuff, it's painful because your brain is detoxifying and, and it's a physiological, you know, thing and just hang on to that, you know, in that time, um, because you have to go through that process. You need to, you need to heal. You know, you need to rest, self-care, all of those things, because you're literally coming off of something that, and we've talked about this before, that our society tells us it's okay to ingest poison. 
why don't you want to ingest poison? Just a little poison. You can have a little glass of poison. Like maybe sometime you'll start drinking poison again. It's, I mean, are you sure? What's wrong with you that you don't want to drink poison? Like if we actually talked about it this way, people would be like, but that's literally what's happening. You know, we've normalized this thing that is bottom line, ethanol, alcohol. It is poison in your system. We're not supposed to ingest it. There's a friend that I know here and she goes, it's not like people come up to you and say, when are you going to do cocaine again? She's like, no one asks you that, but it's okay to be like, well, when do you think you're going to drink again? And she's like, it's, it's an abused substance period. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the scariest parts for me is it is so unregulated. Um, and it is a killer. I mean, it is a slow death. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, that was, that was some great conversation and engagement for sure. <laughs> um, and I think there's some really good tools that we all have in our toolboxes. Um, and to be able to share that with our greater community is huge. Um, I don't think people realize how important it is to have a toolbox, you know, mm-hmm. and, and um, this is one of the biggest things that I do with my clients is, is help them build a toolbox and, you know, doesn't matter if it's the one that looks like in your garage that has many layers of, of drawers and many tools, or if it's like mine, that's pink and glittery, you know, once you have those toolboxes and, and the tools in place, um, you know, it really does help you move through your recovery a lot easier. Yeah. And I want to end on that. That's a great point, Dana. Like you, you put together the toolbox that works for you. You yes. are the architect of your own recovery. And you're going to know what, you know, and I tried a lot, a lot of different things. And I kept what worked for me. And I let go of the things that I didn't. I let go of the shoulds and all of those. Well, you should be doing it this way. Or you should. I just kept what made sense to me because I know myself, you know, we have to trust ourselves again and trust our intuition. And, and, and that's, yes, that's a really good point. Yeah. Well, and it's nothing about recovery, whether how you got sober, what you use, nothing is a one size fits all. You do have to put work into finding what is going to work for you to keep you on that path. And so you do, you have to be open to being like, okay, maybe I should download that app that Heather just said, and, you know, really start to get into that, but you are going to start piecemealing this together and have it represent what will support that sobriety that you are after. Um, nothing is a one size fits all. And that's, I feel like that's the same thing. A lot of people have always put that in a little box of being like, this is what recovery looks like. This is how you have to do it. And that is not the case at all. This is what recovery looks like. (laughs) (laughs) It's a chaos. (laughs) (laughs) It does feel chaotic at times. Yes. Yes. Good chaos, but Mm -hmm. good chaos. Yeah. For sure. thank, yeah, thank you everybody for, for sharing. Um, I think this has been a really great episode for all of us. Um, and I think there's a little bunch of nuggets that we can create some mm-hmm. excellent um, future episodes with, you know, the, the, the neurology of the brain and, and all of those things that go along with it. So um, thank you everybody for sharing and um, thank you all for joining us. And hopefully you have gotten some new tools for your toolboxes. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank Thank you. you. Have a good week.
Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you and wish you the best on your sober adventures. For more information and details on upcoming episodes, check us out on YouTube or Instagram at 4 Chicks. That's number 4 Sober Chicks. We welcome your feedback and look forward to being with you on the next episode.